1: Welcome to My Millennial Property. Emily Wallace here. John has got the week off. Actually, we're just tag teaming interviews at the moment, if I'm honest. This week, I wanted to provide some value by getting an industry insider into the whole world of off market properties. We speak about off markets on the podcast all the time. It's one of the most common questions that come up in the Facebook group. If you are a first-time listener for My Millennial Property, this is a show that falls under the umbrella of My Millennial Money as well. So there's a Facebook group, Google it, have a look, or Facebook it, have a look, check it out. Today's guest is Golan Flam from Hodges in Caulfield, Melbourne. And the reason I've got Golan on the show today is because he always has off-market properties. He does a lot of off-market deals here in Melbourne, but off-markets are applicable Australia-wide. We're going to unpack what are they, why they exist, and deep dive into the process of selling off-market. So let's get into it. Golan, welcome to My Millennial Property. Thank you for having me. Now, this is a hot topic and we've got a lot to chat about today, but we're going to take it slow. We're going to do some definitions. We're going to just play it real chill and deep dive into everything to do with off markets. Because I can tell you, as a buyer's advocate, it is the most common question I get. Like, wh- either what is an off market or why does someone sell off market? So we'll get there. No worries. First things first, what is an off market property? Okay. Uh,
2: an off market property is a property that is not advertised, it's not online, there's no board up, there's no brochures. The only way you'd know about it is if the agent told you about it. That is an off-market property.
1: Okay. So they only come through agents?
2: Only come through agents.
1: Okay. Yeah. And the term off-market, people then ask me, you know, well, if it's off-market, how do I I know about it? Like, how can someone find out about an off-market property?
2: Sure. So if you've gone through a property and you're on an agent's database, um, you'll probably hear about it. But in all honesty, you'll probably hear about it first through an advocate.
1: Right. Okay. So advocates are kind of at the the pinnacle of getting these off market. Yes. We
2: go to the advocates first. This yes. is obviously a general rule. And then we go to our buyer database second.
1: I know there's people across Australia tuning in. By the way, we here in Melbourne say buyer's advocates a lot, but the term buyer's agent is also used. So they're exactly the same thing, buyer's agent, buyer's advocate. Okay. So agents liaise with buyer's agents or advocates, and they give them these off-market properties. If it's a general public buyer going about their business and they want in on these properties, what sort of avenues would yeah. they get them through? So
2: without an advocate, you mean? They're yeah, just by yeah, themselves? writing solo. Yeah, sure. Reach out to the agents in the area. Tell them your criteria. Tell them that you are ready to buy, and then make sure that you're on that short list. And they'll reach out to you pretty quickly. If if the agents feel that you're ready to buy and you're, um, you're educated, you've got your finance approved they'll come to you amongst amongst the first.
1: Would you say as an agent, when you're sort of looking at the buyers that are out there in the market, would you say you pay more attention to buyers who have missed out on something recently?
2: Um, Yeah, definitely. If if we've had a really good campaign and we've had multiple bidders or they've missed out through expressions of interest, then we'll reach out to them knowing that they're ready to go. You know, but depending on the market this year, there hasn't always been a lot of underbidders. The buy pool is more shallow than it used to be because interest rates have gone up. So uh, traditionally, we used to do that quite a lot, but there hasn't been a lot of buyers to do do that with uh, in this market. So yes, we do do that, but there's less to work with in this market.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And just backtracking there, you mentioned about making yourself known to the agent and your like, criteria of what you're looking for. So how, like, how much information do we need to be giving to agents if we're riding solo? Like, what yeah, I mean, be
2: as honest as you can without divulging absolutely everything. So tell them you've been at an auction before. If you have, your finances approved, tell them what you've been looking for, what you've missed out on so the agent can assess how realistic you are. And if they think you're realistic, they'll come to you pretty quickly. If they think you're unrealistic and you need more time in the marketplace to do your your research and due diligence, then they may come to you, but not you won't be on the the, the first list.
1: Not on the hot buyer not list. On the hot
2: buyer list. Yes, we'll yeah. call it the hot buyer hot list. Hot buyer list. Yeah. Is that what you call them? Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I call them short lists or... Yeah. Yeah. but hot buyer list. Yeah. yeah. All the same thing. All the same thing.
1: Okay. So... We're going to take a side step. I want to come back to off markets and how they actually come about from the vendor's side of things, right? Uh, but for the moment, let's talk about defining what a pre market is because a pre market is different to an off market, right? I
2: love a good pre market. Yeah. So a pre market is something where you've signed up the property for an auction or a private sale. It's going to go online. Yeah. Um, and you happen to sell it before it goes online. So sometimes with an auction, we'll put a forthcoming auction sign. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, I did a private inspection yesterday, an advocate actually drove past the property, called me, told me they've got a client for it and we did a private inspection yesterday. So
1: um,
2: if that happens in terms of uh, the purchase, they've got a week and a half to bring their client in and to make an offer. So we like it because it provides a deadline and a sense of urgency Mm. because we're taking photos and once we take photos, money has been, you know, cost has been incurred by the vendor and then if they want to wait till it goes online, then there's going to be more competition. Um, Right now, they can buy in isolation. Obviously, they have to pay for that privilege with giving us a really good offer, but there's an opportunity there. So that same advocate texted me after doing a video walkthrough and uh, taking the buyer through on Saturday morning. Oh, so, we awesome. might, so we might do a pre-market deal, but that would be a pre-market deal. Vendor's ready to go on market. Marketing campaigns has been approved. Photos have been booked in. We haven't taken photos yet.
1: Okay. So would it be uh, safe to assume that this kind of needs to unfold before the photos are taken? Because then it's kind of like money's committed for yeah, the vendor? Yeah, exactly
2: right. So we always dangle that carrot to the potential buyer. And advocates really understand that once we have photos, the vendor's more committed to going on market because some money has been... Spent and yes. incurred, the cost has been incurred, even though it's minimal. Like mm. when you go on the internet, that's when the bulk has been spent. Yes. Um, but it's a psychological thing where they're committed to going online, so it's best to do it before we take the photos. Yeah. If they do after, if they come back with an offer after photography, then we might wait till it goes online.
1: And also, there you touched on they'd have to give like an enticing yes. offer, and I can I can just. Hear the listeners yes. sort of bubbling on that because another common question that comes up is Do people pay more buying it beforehand? And
2: well, the truth is, we don't know because we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what it could have achieved going on the market um, online, right? So it's got to be an offer where the agent and the vendor, because the agent will have to advise the vendor they would both would have to agree that it's too compelling to take a risk of going online. So if you're quoting, you know, X to Y, then the offer needs to be Z. Yeah. Otherwise, if the interest is within the range, then they can buy it when it's online or at auction.
1: And if you're a buyer listening to this and you're trying to work out, well, what does, you know, that even look like in terms of the numbers and how much more should I be putting forward? I think the biggest thing to understand as a buyer is do your research and understand... If this property goes to market, how competitive is it going to be? For example, if you've been in the market looking for a two-bedroom townhouse in a certain suburb and you've been outbid at a few auctions and you've noticed there's maybe three or four hands going up each time at auction of buyers, and you're noticing they're all sort of selling around 720 to 750, and you get an opportunity for a pre-market, and really you're gonna need to be at like seven forty or seven fifty to get it you could almost safely assume it's going to potentially reach there at auction and would you buy it beforehand without any competition?
2: It's a hard question because there hasn't been a lot of sales because there's low stock levels. Yeah. So there hasn't been a lot of comparable sales. So it just really depends on how long the buyer has been looking for. Yes. How educated they are and whether they're honestly sick of agents. Yeah. If they're sick of agents, I always say it know (laughs) open for inspection, you know, how long have you been looking for? It's not really the period of time, but it's whether they've – been doing it every single weekend and how many agents they've spoken to. And so when I can see on their face, they're sick of talking to us, most of us, I can see they're probably ready to buy.
1: Yeah, that's so true. They've seen enough. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: And everyone hates the Monday phone calls. Like, oh,
2: yeah. Well, us agents don't love it either, no. but it's but it's a necessary evil. We've got to do it.
1: Yeah. We've
2: got to qualify. We've got to put the reports together. We've got to speak to the vendors, really assess where every campaign's at.
1: Yeah. Yeah, all that information helps. It's all just information gathering, feedback.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Also have to give feedback to the other buyers as well because they can ask, oh, where's, where's the interest at?
1: Of course. They want everyone else's out. So it's actually helping the greater good if you answer those Monday phone calls and yes. just say, well, what's going on?
2: Help you, help me. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Not all real <laughs> Show estate agents me the money.
2: <laughs>
1: <bad>. <laughs> now, I want to unpack off-markets in more detail because this whole episode is off-market centric. Yes. And I think the biggest thing that people struggle with is A, understanding how an off-market even comes about and B, why a vendor would even think to sell off-market. So, let's start with A first. How do off-market properties come about?
2: Sure. So, uh, they can come about a few different ways. One way is if we've sold something in the street, we've got underbidders, we do a letter drop, do door knocking, and then someone who is thinking of selling, you know, in the next three, four months, um, they might do it sooner because mm-hmm. we've got a buyer at a good price. and might accelerate their timeline. That's one way. Another way is I, as an agent, go in to meet a vendor. I pitch for the business and they're interviewing three, four different agents and how does an agent stand out? If I was in there, I would pitch phase one, phase two, which is off market um, and then on market. Mm-hmm. So it would give them an opportunity to see how I work, to see how I communicate, to see how I qualify. Basically, I commit to them before they commit to me fully for that second phase.
1: Okay. And that's how an
2: off market comes about.
1: So they're kind of trialing you before they actually yeah. put your name on it publicly to say, yep, Golan's our yep. agent. yep. And in terms of what that would look like from uh, your authority to act and bring buyers through that property, is that different to an on market?
2: Uh, Now you're you're trying to like look behind the curtain.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is the podcast is all about the secrets. No, no, what I'll share it. It's fine. We want some juicy goss.
2: That's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Happy to to share. So uh, I offer a few different options. So one option that I offer is I sort of work in reverse. So if they're happy to go on market, but they want to do off market first, Mm -hmm. then I'll sign that auction authority, but then give time to work off market before we take photos. Sure right? So, and then I put a forthcoming auction sign and I tell buyers the truth. I say, listen, this is going to go online. Mm -hmm. You've got an opportunity now to buy in isolation, but if you wait, you're buying competition and then it could be a lot more than what you think. And the other way is that it'll just be a short exclusive sale authority for two, three weeks. And then I show them how hard I work and hope that if I haven't sold it or brought offers, I've educated them and given them enough insight that they appreciate it and they appreciate the way I communicate, my work ethic, and then they proceed with a non-market campaign with me, then we sign an auction authority.
1: And would you say outside of yourself, like, would you say that that's quite a common approach that people take or not really? Like agents, I mean?
2: Option one or option two? Uh, Option one. The first one. Um, I'm just telling you my opinion. I don't think many agents, if they've got a signed auction authority, will try that hard to sell it off market. I personally will try very, very hard if I promise put my hand on my heart and say, I'm going to try my best to sell this off market or at the very least get you some really tangible, relevant insight, then I'll do everything I can as if I didn't have that auction authority.
1: Sure. And what's the benefit for you as an agent selling it off market?
2: So it's actually funny. It's sort of reverse engineering it because I sell a lot of off markets. A lot of people talk to other people. Okay. And so buyers come to me. So yep. I know you do a lot of off markets, but then also those buyers become sellers. Yeah. And they come to me. So, I actually list a lot of auctions off the fact that people know I do a lot of off markets.
1: Right. Okay. And they like the approach of that.
2: Well, nothing to lose. Yeah. And the only thing the agent has to do is work hard. Yeah. Deliver on their promises. And if you're willing to do that, the agent shouldn't have an issue to do it.
1: A real estate agent delivering on promises, well, look out.
2: Look out. So, I actually, I love, I love working hard and I love a challenge. And when you start off market, the time clock, the clock, I should say time clock starts. Yes. uh, You know, and um, you've got to really be proactive and communicate. And then as soon as you've got that authority, you've got to go to your database, go to your team, get on the phones, text messages, emails, and really try and create. And also real information, not, not, not BS.
1: And so we're speaking about this in the sense of you're going in for the business, you know, the vendors called a couple of people in you're pitching how you would handle the campaign and that's how you go about it. But what about if you have a really good sale and you've got a whole heap of buyers sitting there who need a similar property type, how do you then try and, I guess, create off-markets?
2: So let it drop that street or let it drop um, similar properties that you think are going to come online. Like let's just say if I sold a townhouse and there's other new townhouses being built in and around the area that's similar, we'll let it drop that. Mm -hmm. We'll go on building sites and talk to the developers. Yep. Uh, Otherwise, yeah, just phone call, database, door knocking, letter drops. I I know it's old stuff, letter drops, but it can work. Okay. I mean, even for one of my best friends, I found um, he and his wife's house through letter drops. Right. Yeah.
1: And do you do the letter drops or does someone do them for you or how does, like like when I'm picturing like letter drops, right? Like I'm, you know, are they bulk mail? Are they they handwritten? Are they like, what's the...
2: Um, They're printed out and they're usually put in the mailboxes. Yeah. I'd be lying if I said that I did them. I haven't done them for a long time. Yeah. I don't, we don't do it that often. I mean, the letter drops just sold, just a letter drops get done automatically for every campaign. We've got someone else that does that and they're professionally printed. Sure. But I've got a a, um, a very unique off-market letter that I print out. Okay. That says no campaign, no BS, two inspections and either sale will be created or not, basically. Yep. So, we're and then to the, point. And the two inspections are one by me,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: then I'd have a price conversation with the vendor to see if they're on the same page. Then I speak to the the client to see if they're interested, then we bring the client in. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, which works, pretty... which works, yeah. It's very, very effective, yeah. that letter drop. Yeah. So, we've got the just sold letter drops for every campaign. We've got someone else that does that. We outsource that. Sure. Um, and then if we're trying to laser focus something specifically in terms of street or property, and so, or someone's reached out to me and asked me to let it drop it, we use a specific letter drop that yeah. works
1: like a treat. Yeah, perfect. Ideal. Yeah. Love it. Now, uh, I think we kind of know how off-markets come about. They're either pitched by the agent in their listing presentation when they go forward for the business to say, we want to see if we can get off-market first, if that suits your lifestyle and what you want to achieve. Are there some vendors who just really want an auction? Yes, Okay. Why do they just really <laughs> want why sometimes
2: I miss out on the listing. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to add value uh, by um, offering phase one, phase two, off market, on market, and then they've just gone on market with someone else. Right. So there's some people who are in a hurry. I mean, I try to qualify that. There's some people who are not in a hurry, but they get sold the idea of an auction straight away, which is, if that's the right thing for them, then f- fair enough. But definitely there's some people who watch the block...
1: Oh, yes. So we love The Block,
2: yep. Personally, as an agent, I, I hate The Block for one reason. I mean, it might be a great show and the properties might be great, whatever. I, you know, I don't know too much about that. But the the reason why I don't like it is because every potential vendor thinks that their auction is going to be like The Block.
1: Oh, okay.
2: And so that <laughs> I never makes... I haven't thought about that. Yeah. No, no, no. That makes it challenging. Oh. Yeah. You've got to really educate them and say, well, it's not exactly like that uh, it's reality it's not real
1: life with, yeah. No, yeah
2: yeah yeah i mean i'm sure they're real bidders and there's real sales but the way it's all put together is obviously for a show yeah um i'm happy to be corrected but anyway i'm not trying to disparage the show the yeah, show's, yeah but yeah. it's just
1: it's not actually how something yeah
2: it's not how it plays
1: out yeah, yeah if you want to see how an auction plays out go and watch yeah uh, local auctions yeah go so it's been a saturday
2: and every auction's different every campaign's different some campaigns you think are going to go really, really well, and it struggles, but then it sells really well afterwards. It just—that's what makes this job so interesting. Every campaign, every client's very interesting. Many stories, and you just, yeah. So, um, what was the original question? <laughs> <I can't remember. laughs> well, what are we? That's doing? Again. This is what oh, we're discussing. I just, I just, I do the vendors want an auction? Some oh, of them. Yes. they do, and especially the area that we work in. It's very, very auction centric. I've got a uh, campaign at the moment that's expressions of interest, and uh, I won't say where it is. And a lot of the buyers like, why isn't this an auction? Yeah. But the vendors actually specifically wanted expressions of interest.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yep.
2: It still works fine. You still have a quite range, a deadline, you know, yep. but probably less overwhelming for the vendor, less transparency for the buyers, but that could work in the vendor's favor. So there's, mm. there's merit to, 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 different strategies, but you know, they were quite adamant they wanted that. So.
1: But auction is the most transparent way, right?
2: 100%. Yeah. 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 You yeah. can see what's happening. You can see the flow of bids see who's bidding. You can see where the vendor bids are. Expressions of interest, you could be, you know, the offer could be $100,000 above someone else, which is why also we like it.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) And we're here to work for the vendors. Exactly. We're here to work for the vendors. And that's
1: the biggest thing that people need to remember is, and look, Golan and I collaborate on off-market properties or just properties generally all the time. And, you know, as I do with other agents, but at the end of the day the agent is there to get the highest price possible for the vendor. Yes. And I have said this many times on the podcast, it probably sound like a broken record, but don't forget that if you're in the market, they're there to get the highest price possible. Yeah, I think there's a way to
2: service, I think there's a way to provide service levels to the buyer and be open and honest, but also be transparent about the fact that you're here to achieve the best price for the vendor and that you work for the vendor at the end of the day. So I definitely don't, you know, I make that pretty clear. Yeah. With, with my potential buyers, but there's things that you can do to, to make the process easier for the buyer, but they've got to pay for it in the price. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so.
1: Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to ask a few more questions about the logistics of off markets, and we might even share a story. We love stories. Okay. If we've got one to share, we will. Okay. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back and I have more questions and I'm sure the listeners, sometimes it's funny on this podcast, we answer questions, but it actually leads to more questions than clarity. So one of the burning questions I think comes up a lot when we talk about off markets is So, one of the questions that comes up a lot is actually around the cost saving that a vendor might experience going off market. And we just talk ballpark figures here, but what's the difference or what are the added costs of going to sell a property through an on-market campaign versus an off-market campaign?
2: Sure. It's definitely partly about cost, but it's also about, it's a bit overwhelming for people to go online, for hordes of people to come through their property, for the ball to be at the front to actually prepare the property for inspections every single week if they're living there. That's a major part of not wanting to go online or mm-hmm. avoiding it if they can. The secondary part is the costs and marketing in our marketplace is anywhere between seven dollars to $9,000 on average, sometimes a bit more, a bit less, but it does sound like a lot.
1: And marketing, sorry to interject there, but do you mean like just uploading it online or are we talking so, styling or...? No,
2: no, no, that's just... So styling is is not included in that. Styling... Um, depending on the size of the property. But for a four bedroom, brand new townhouse, about 30 squares on 300 square meters, it costs about four to four and a half thousand to style that. Oh, wow. In addition to the seven to nine thousand marketing. Right. So you'd be saving that too if you were to put furniture in there.
1: Okay. So it's quite a significant, it's not a small amount of money. No, not at
2: all. No, no. So it's definitely part of that decision making of selling off market, but it's also, it's quite overwhelming to have your property online.
1: And is there extra cost if you decide that you want to go to auction? Like, is there an auctioneering fee? Like, generally, maybe not you, your agency specifically, but like,
2: do people charge for auctions? Yeah, a lot of agencies do. Yeah. I can't speak for all of them, but a lot of them do. We rarely do sometimes, but rarely.
1: Okay. Yeah. So there are quite a few things. Now, the costs that don't change is the contract of sale has to be provided and paid for either way. Yep. And the agent's commission has to be paid either way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, those two things remain the same, whereas going to market, you've got marketing costs, you've got styling, potentially an auctioneer f- fee, depending on what agency yeah. you're with. Uh, Timing
2: as well. Timing, yeah. The sooner you sell, the sooner you can move on to the next chapter.
1: Yeah, that's a good thing. It's yeah. an opportunity cost, isn't opportunity it? Opportunity cost, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a fair bit of emotion involved in selling, particularly when it's, a. F- you know, I think the biggest ones are always the f- Family homes that people are downsizing from. There's a lot of sentimental value to a house. You would see it a lot more than I do. And so, yeah, that can actually sometimes they need an auction to be committed to a sale.
2: Yeah, sometimes they need the auction process to not only be committed, but to be educated to really Mm. see what the feedback is. It's not us saying that it's worth this or this is the negatives or positives. It's the actual buyers who are looking to buy in the marketplace at that time. Yeah. And for some vendors, they need it. It's a must.
1: Yeah. Now, uh, some of the reasons that people would sell off-market, you touched on before about, you know, when people traipsing through their house and it's an effort and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. What about privacy? Have you, I mean, obviously you don't disclose the names or anything, but cool. have you sold like off-market for privacy reasons? Um, yes.
2: Yeah, it's hard to talk about. Yeah. We won't. <laughs> it's hard to talk about. Yeah, definitely. There's yeah. some people who are very discreet by nature and there's some people who uh, are forced to be discreet.
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay.
2: So definitely, yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's a very like – so when you're looking at buyers to come through an off-market property, do you actually spend more time making sure they might like the property than if it was an on market?
2: Yeah, so what we do is we do a video walkthrough with our phone, which Uh, is free to do. Yep. Um, If we can locate an old floor plan, we'll send it to them.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, We'll ask them to drive past. We'll make sure their finance is approved, make sure it's within their budget, within reason. Yep. um, Because they might stretch. Mm. Their budget might be higher than what they say or they might increase their budget. So we do that before taking people through.
1: Sure. So if you're a buyer in the market and an agent has given you an off market, don't be surprised if they spend a bit more time qualifying you to make sure you're legit and it's worthwhile. And great that they give you some extra info up front, you know, floor yeah. plans, videos, that's always helpful. Buyers love that. Yeah. Exactly the more right. info the make better. Sure
2: no one's wasting their time and we're taking, you know, we're planning on taking people through someone's property. So mm. We need to qual- qualify them beforehand. Not just take people through for the sake of it. It's definitely not if, if a buyer is just doing their research. Uh, we don't take them through. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Totally. Unless they're
2: piggybacking off an inspection. Of course, someone else makes yeah. the same time. Then, might as well. We're happy to do it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now, in the market at the moment, You know, we're in this season. We're recording this in July, 2023. We're heading into the spring selling season, as everyone's anticipating. Are you noticing anything around uh, the investors selling out? A lot of the media is talking about this, but particularly in the off-market space, are you seeing investors wanting to avoid costs and opting for off-market or not really? I
2: I feel this answer is going to turn political.
1: Oh, okay. (laughs)
2: No, I'm not going to go political. (laughs) A lot of investors are um, leaving the market because it's becoming just not viable to have an investment property with land tax increasing, interest rates increasing, You know, potential talks of a rent freeze.
1: I heard about that. Which is
2: actually going to put upward pressure on rental values. So, Mm -hmm. the people who the government's trying to help, they're actually going to harm them. Mm -hmm. There's going to be less available for renters. And as a consequence, as a result, rent values are going to skyrocket. Yeah. So, yep, there's – especially the older properties that need more maintenance and also the essential services that were uh, brought into law about a year ago. Mm Mm-hmm. We had a couple of years head start in making sure that everyone obviously complied. But we had a date which was I think earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of investors who they don't want to spend the money on their on their property or they've got houses that are unrenovated as well and the land tax and you know, after agents costs, after taxes, after management fees, after essential services, they're basically getting one percent return and they can put their money in the bank now and get four to five percent. Yeah. So it makes no sense.
1: They just don't get the capital growth, but yes. The, the, That's true.
2: But on yeah. certain assets, the capital growth is not as aggressive as it could be on other assets.
1: Of course. So with the nature of more investors selling out, is it – I mean, I know I'm finding it more common. I'm walking through tenanted properties at the moment, yeah. a fair bit. Yeah. What advice would you give to people who are walking through tenanted properties off-market? Like, you know, they're not staged. They're not, they're not sale-ready. Like, do you see people yeah. make – silly comments about properties, you know, not looking good?
2: Um, No, I think they understand when they walk in there that it's tenanted. Mm -hmm. It's very hard. I mean, you can ask a potential buyer to try and look through it and to try to imagine it, that it's not like that, but we can only work with what we have. Mm. And same with the potential buyers. If they can't see it, if they don't have that vision, it's fair enough. Not everyone's like that, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can see through it all and it does tick the boxes, great. But you can only ask a tenant to do so much in terms of presentation. It is their, their home. They're living in it. They're paying rent. Yeah. Um, and some people live different to other people. Yes. So one person's cleanliness is not another's. Mm-hmm. So that's also a tough conversation. But if it's clear that they can't do much better, can only work with what you've got.
1: Yeah, for sure. Hopefully
2: that answers your question. Oh,
1: definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, before we kind of round this out, I wanted to share a bit of a story Ooh. of an off-market deal that we did together. Ooh. Because I think it's good to just give an example of time frames, how things come about, because for some people it's still this mystical thing buying off market. So we're turning back the clock a little bit. Gosh, when I think this was 2020, three years ago.
2: Yeah, it was during COVID or just before COVID or.
1: Well, we had masks in the between, sold
2: photo. So uh, between the waves, it was definitely <laughs> between, between the waves. The waves yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And I had a client who jumped on board lovely clients. yes. lovely fam. With a little one at the time and they've Mm. got another little one now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. two kids. Yep. And they were buying their, pretty much their forever home and they had some really key fundamentals around the location. It was a very specific pocket and I actually can't remember if I emailed you or you emailed me I'm not entirely sure how it came about. I'm quite
2: sure because we talk quite often. We do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so sometimes it just comes, it comes out when we're talking about, I don't know, something else real estate related. I'm like, oh, by the way, I just listed this. And then you'll be like, oh, yeah, I think I've got someone for it. Let me come back to you. And then. Yeah.
1: yeah. I do specifically remember, though, getting a phone call from you and you said to me, do you know the B streets in this area? Ah. And I said, I know there's some street names that start with a B, and you uh-huh. said, but do you know how premium they are? Yes. And it was a particular area that I knew but not as well as you did. Obviously, you transacted yep. it all the time yep. and you were explaining to me about them and I've since learnt they are very premium. Yes. very sought after yep. and they yep. hardly sell. Like it's... Tightly held. Very tightly held. Yep. And this was a street starting with a B. Yes. Yeah. Bent Street.
2: Yes. So the B Street's in Caulfield South, Bent Street, Bukhara, Burindi, Bialaba. There, for some reason, I mean, when I say for some reason, because it's not like it's further west or north, mm-hmm. it's sort of east slash south mm-hmm. in Caulfield South, within Caulfield South, but they're beautiful streets in the way that most of them have big houses. Yes. It's not filled with apartments or units mm-hmm. and rarely do you see a townhouse. So they're big houses, tennis courts, big parcels of land. So, yeah, it's. Um, I remember I listed that on behalf of a, um, oh, I'd say a bit older than middle-aged couple. Yeah. Um they raised their family there, and they were, they were bought something to downsize, and I'd listed on the on the back of phase one, phase two strategy. So I had an auction authority signed, I had marketing put in place, and I said, listen, I'll try off market, yeah, but I'll really try, mm. and um, and then I just get on the phone. I mean, I do send out texts and emails, and same with the team, but my favourite is just to get on the phone. Yeah, yeah, and so that's when I called you, and yeah, and um, yeah, and I told you that it's um, a great street, and it's a beautiful home, and. You can probably fill the It
1: was rest a big of. house. It yes. was a really big house. I remember walking through it and I was mm. like, whoa, maybe this is too much house. But then the clients came through it once I videoed it. And it's so funny because uh, at the at that time, the way I ran the business, I would upload the videos to like Vimeo and I could see the play count. And that video had like 159 videos by the time. Oh wow. Yeah, they'd like watched it so many oh, really? times. <laughs> yeah. After we'd bought it as well, because they wanted to look at what yeah, they would do for renovations. Doing. Yeah. So we got them through. And I believe we had a second inspection with them yes. as well. It was a pretty significant purchase. We're yeah. not talking small, yeah, we're talking we a couple of mil. Yeah, we're talking, yeah. So yeah. they came through again and I, oh, that's right. We had to get the renovation team through to do a quote. Just a quote, that's it, yeah. Yeah, so they did that and it was a significant renovation. Yes. And it all kind of pulled together. Now, there was another advocate that inspected the property as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I yeah. don't just go out to... I know you'd like for me just to yeah. call you, but... <laughs> oh, I thought you did. <laughs> no, 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 no. I make many calls. Yeah. Many, many calls. And we send out text message blasts within the database to all the advocates we've got in there. Yeah. And yeah, so I think I showed at least one more. Mm-hmm. I may have showed another one too. Yeah. But it's also if the, if the advocate acts quickly, if they've got a client that's interested, then less advocates will walk through. So it's, yes. a, it's, a, it's a speed thing.
1: Yeah, the need for speed, particularly, yeah. The need for speed. Particularly when it's a good property as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
2: this one, most agents, again, I'm generalising. So for all you agents who might come back <laughs> to and say, hey, most agents would just let that go to market because yeah. they've got the authority, good campaign to have online, we will get more listings off it. But I made a promise.
1: Mm.
2: I gave my word.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And my word is my bond. If I say I'm going to try off market, I'm going to do everything possible. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. At least they've seen that I've tried.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it was a great result for all involved. And I'm—I remember those vendors were like dream vendors in that they had left the keys labeled. They'd left all the manuals that they could find. Like sometimes you get handover of a property and you've literally given the front door key and the garage remote, and yeah. that's it. Like hope for the best. Yeah,
2: they had a lot of pride in that home. They it was did. A family home. Yeah. Um, so they did the right thing, but we love it when they do that. It makes it a lot easier with the handover.
1: Yeah, and if you're someone listening to this who's you know a prospective vendor going to sell your home, think about what the buyer might want on the other end. You know, yeah. what can you give them that would? Even I've seen vendors leave a little letter about who the neighbours are. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, you know. John and Barb live next door and bin night is this night. Imagine if one of them said just
2: avoid the one across the road. Yeah,
1: Do not talk to that neighbour. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Uh, But yeah, those little pieces make it so much easier and it happens more so in the home buying space, I would say, than the investor space. Investor's very, you know.
2: Yeah, it's very transactional
1: for them. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. And those clients have done a massive reno on that property and they also... No. I think we both we I've need seen, to seen. it. We maybe should we should go see. together. I think we should.
2: Yeah. I spoke to them not long ago. Yep. I'd love to see
1: it. Yeah. So yep. they're there in their forever home and they've got another property in the area as well. Do they?
2: Still? I think they actually sold it. Oh, okay. Because I was about to list it and they sold it to... Some within the family, I wouldn't mean, say. So, oh, sure. so okay. I was just about to list it, and they said, "Oh, we actually, sold it so to some someone in the family and for a good price." And I said, "That's great news. Good luck!" Like, no, oh, awesome. Last thing I want to do is list it and get less.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I <true>. Feel terrible, <laughs> you know, like on the
2: back on my face. Like, oh.
1: <laughs> but yeah, they had a. I mean, they had a great buying experience, I believe, in terms of the turnaround time. Yeah, and and they were yeah.
2: exposed to something they wouldn't have seen.
1: Exactly, unless it was
2: online. Unless someone bought it beforehand.
1: Particularly at that time because everything was about to be shut down again. So it was a really tricky time for everyone. So all in all, off markets, pre-markets, on markets, it's all about the choice that you have in property when you are going to buy. As a vendor, I think it's really key to have the right agent on board who has a good strategy that can be suited and tailored to what you're wanting to do. Some people just want an auction that's what they're all about. Some people prefer the softer approach, go off market first, nothing to lose. You know, the issue with going online straight away is mm. you don't know whether you've pitched it
2: at the right level, whether the levels yeah. are realistic, pricing feedback. Maybe you can maybe you can save them the angst of going on market, um, and the you know seven to nine thousand dollars marketing. Maybe they're three hundred thousand dollars away, yeah, um, from where they truly want to be in terms of selling price. So I, I agree that if the vendors are in a hurry, that's fine. But I think a lot of agents, it's a bit lazy just to go on market straight away. Yeah. Um, situation might, might warrant it. But it also helps the agent to say to the vendor, listen, you're at one two, but I'm seeing interest at in a million and 50. Yes. Do you want to rethink going ahead? And a lot of agents won't do that because they hope the vendor might sell for less if they're on market.
1: Yeah,
2: okay. You've got to have have those conversations. Yeah, I prefer to have those tough conversations in the beginning.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think there's also a misconception around, like a lot of people say, well, why wouldn't you just go to auction because that gets the highest price possible? Number one, it's not actually guaranteed. But number two, is it fair to say that not every vendor is actually there to get the highest price possible?
2: Um, Yeah, definitely. I I had a uh, property that I listed um, around the corner from my office. Yeah. And she specifically said, I'm riddled with anxiety I don't care about going to auction. I'd rather take less and sell off market. Yep. So I, I gathered offers, and I and they weren't bad offers. But I said, listen, I can probably get you at least seventy to one hundred thousand dollars more. I think on market. Yeah. You sure you don't want to go on market? And the, and she turned around and said, even if it was two hundred or three hundred, I'm very happy with this price. Wow. And I'm riddled with anxiety, and my health is not great. I, I appreciate you being honest, but I want to take this offer. Yeah. So, yes. So, it does happen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yep.
1: And I think also for uh, families with kids in the mix, trying to take a property to market while you're still living in it.
2: Very hard, especially if they're young so kids. Hard. Very, very hard. And especially yeah. if the property is not a big property and they're selling to upsize. Yeah. It's very hard to, so to maintain it, clean it, move the toys away. Yeah. Um, There's a
1: convenience tax involved in some way. You know, yeah, exactly of the, right. Yeah. So, some
2: of might say, it's just not worth it. If we can get this price, let's move forward. Yeah. I think that, you know, there's definitely place for off-market process if Mm. the vendor, if the vendor, sorry, if the agent actually implements it effectively and Mm -hmm. not just says it, it's Mm -hmm. not just lip service, because it's easy for an agent to say, "I'll, you know, I'll talk to people off-market and I'll come back to you, but we here, I've put an actual strategy together in-house, which I haven't divulged because I'm not going to give all my secrets away (laughs) to other agents and it assists me in doing and my team a lot of off-markets yeah, like more than people realize. Yeah. And even if they don't come off in terms of the transaction or the sale, it really helps the agent and the vendor understand where it's at
1: mm-hmm.
2: in regards to the feedback from buyers in that marketplace. Because we might perceive it to be at a certain level and then you know we get humbled pretty quickly by buyers who tell it. Because it's really the buyers that dictate the value. It's yeah, not they're, the agent the or the vendor. The vendor could want $2 million. But if the vendor, if the, if the purchasers or potential purchasers say it's worth around 165 for these reasons... Well, that's what it's worth at this stage. You know, yeah. I always say to a vendor, I can't promise you that you're not going to get more next week, but in the same token, I can't promise you that you won't get less.
1: Yeah. But it's yeah. likely
2: that you'll get less for these reasons or it's likely that you'll get more for these reasons. What would you like to do? I'm in your hands. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I think there's a place for it, but not all agents are created equal just in terms of like ability and mm. hard work and mm-hmm. communication. And that's where an agent who can do off-market sell, um, selling would be very good at on-market selling because the skills you need for off-market are like communication, qualifying, negotiating, really really reading between the lines. Mm. Not just what they're not saying, not just what they're saying, but what they're not saying, their body language, who else is coming to the inspections, who they're bringing along, where they're coming from so you can understand where they're trying to get to. So an, an agent who qualifies effectively and sells really strongly off-market will be very good on-market.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. So
2: when when a vendor says, oh, they sell more on market here, I go, well, you need more skill to sell off market actually.
1: Yeah,
2: so true. Because you need to generate the interest yourself, qualify, create the competition.
1: You're working harder. Or
2: perceived competition. Yes. Communicate to the vendor where the vendor's not under pressure and get them to accept a price they're happy with when they're not under pressure. Mm. That takes more skill than trying to get someone to take something when they're under pressure.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. 100%. 100%.
2: Yeah.
1: Final question. If uh, someone buys off market, do they get a salt sticker?
2: What do you mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, depending on the vendor, um, we always like to put a board up at our expense and we'll put, we'll obviously give the buyer the opportunity to put a salt sticker. Yeah. Um, if not, then we'll take a photo up with a salt sticker and a bottle of champagne.
1: Yeah. Because that's yeah. what buyers live for.
2: Yeah. You do yeah. <laughs> I, are we, uh, personally, I love it when the buyer's excited yeah. and they love putting the salt sticker on. Like to me, you know, like we, we as an agent, we get joy out of that when, yeah. when the buyer says, Oh, no, you can just put it up. I'm like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> really? I really yeah. wanted to see you excited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> really? You're like, mm-hmm. All right, I'll put it up. <laughs> like,
1: All right.
2: Yeah. You know, then you, that's why when you see a selfie just with the agent in front of the board, that's it's because the buyer's like, Just put it up. <laughs> okay, fine.
1: <laughs> love it thank you so much for sharing your insights today that's been really helpful if by chance you're a listener who wants to do an off-market process in melbourne also on
2: market oh sorry and on market but call it the phase one phase two
1: yeah if you want to go through the process yeah. and you're in uh, the melbourne area then hit go line up we'll put his uh, contact details yeah. in the show notes as well And more generally, if you are looking for an agent, a good place to go and have a look and suss them out would be Rate My Agent. The good thing with Rate My Agent is actually you get sent a link as a buyer and as a seller experience the service from said agent. Yep. So it actually is a really honest account of what's going on. I know you've got plenty of reviews on their goal line. I think I've given you one (laughs) over over the years somewhere. But it is a good place to have a look. And... I don't know. Do you think the realestate.com ones are – or do they – can you rate them without a sale?
2: Uh, no, I think you have to have a sale to yeah. rate them, I think. I think realestate.com is trying to push the testimonial aspect side of it yes. now. Yes. Um, I just love Write My Agent because it's independent. You can hear from buyers and sellers. You can get a, you know, I direct potential vendors or, and buyers as well. Go to Write My Agent, read my testimonials. Mm. I always preface it by saying I didn't write them.
1: Yeah. My brother <laughs> thinks
2: I write them. <laughs> write your Yeah, own. Honestly, yeah he thinks <laughs> I write them. And because you can get a bit of a theme from reading testimonials. So when yes. you read mine, there's definitely a theme of like what I promise and what I deliver. So mm-hmm. about communication, working hard, not over-promising. hmm I'm sort of, you know, like it's, it, what you can deliver on is what is within your control. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't promise price, I promise process. I think that's a mm. Tom Panos yeah, saying, yeah. but I think, but it's amazing. So true. I, I, I really leaned into that saying because it's true, because you can only, you should only promise what's within your control. So I promise um, process, not price.
1: Yeah, which I think most agents really should be doing, but they don't.
2: Yeah, yeah, you yeah. On you, can price give, you can give your opinion, but by the time you put the property on market, yeah, uh, um, you know the market can change. Yeah. So you could say, oh, I think it's worth one point eight five, and then certain things happen. Five more properties come online that are pretty, you know, comparable, and then there's a lot more competition, and then maybe another interest rate increase, and then it turns to one seven.
1: Mm.
2: So you just got to be careful of how you communicate what you think and why you think. Back to write my Agent. I think I think mm. it's a good website,
1: mm, definitely. Um,
2: and I really do focus on getting testimonials. If people want to give them to me, of course, yeah. But yeah, I think I've got over four hundred reviews on there.
1: Geez, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, you've been in the game a long time as well.
2: Not that long. No, nah, a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to say Longer like no, no, not that long, <laughs> but no long enough. <laughs> so long if enough. Divided by the amount of years, maybe it's not that many.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's just edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you have further questions, make sure you reach out to myself or John. I'm probably a little more active on the socials than John in terms of trying to reply to message requests or just put them in the Facebook group. If you have an idea of an expert you'd like us to get in to talk about a particular topic, let us know. Otherwise, have a great week ahead and there'll be a fresh episode up next week.
0: This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of MoneySherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.
2: that's the sound of another sale on shopify in store shopify pos is everything you need to sell in person from payments to inventory shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23 shopify.com slash
1: retail 23 why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim